Welcome to our podcast here at Encounter Church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire is to be a place where life starts, love happens, and purpose is revealed. If you're in our area, join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. and every first Wednesday at 6.45 p.m. For more information about our church, you can visit us at EncounterChurch.today or follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Periscope. Just search eChurchBR. We invite you now to open your hearts to receive what God has for you. Here's today's message. Give a bigger hand to Jesus. Come on, he deserves more. That's not enough for Jesus. Come on, Jesus deserves more. It's going to be a great time. You may be seated. I want to take just a moment, as always, just say what a privilege it is to be here with you. You want to stay with me just for a moment? We're going to pray after we read the scripture. But I just want to say what a privilege it is always to be here. It's my second year coming to be a part of the conference that you have. And, and I really believe that God is doing big things and as I look around the facility, man, what an amazing job. The room, the, the renovation, isn't it? I love the name change. It's, it's an exciting season. Everywhere I look, I see something new. Everywhere I look, I see God doing something new. And we're, we're seeing it tangibly in front of our eyes. And see, I'm not here every Sunday. And I think when you're here and, and miracles are happening, you kind of get used to miracles happening. But if you haven't had a miracle in a long time and you see a miracle, it shakes up everything. And I just thought I'd remind you that you're living in a miracle right now. That God's doing something here. Something fresh, something new. And I believe that tonight is going to be a catalyst for even more. Because I, I don't know about you, I, I like more. I mean, when, when I see Skittles, I don't want one or two. Amen, everybody? Come on. I, I want to taste the color of the rainbow. I want, I want all of it. When someone says, I've got Oreos, I, I don't want one Oreo. I, I want a gallon of milk and I want the box in Jesus' name. Huh. Some of y'all aren't sure about that, but I'm just telling you, two or years is better than one, right? Uh, a family-sized Skittle bag is better than the little, yeah, the Halloween style. That's, that's of the devil, everybody, okay? <laughs> but I do want to honor, I want to give honor where honor is due. I have the privilege of seeing your pastor outside of Sundays. And Sundays, you know, there's a calling on a man of God and a woman of God's life to preach and to teach and to lead and, and, and God has called us to live that way in between Sundays so that God gives us this opportunity on Sunday to lead and to speak. And I get to see your pastor more in between Sundays than I get to see on Sunday. And I want you to just know that, that what I see in his family is character and a genuine love for God. And what, how blessed you are to have a family that loves God that way. Can we honor <laughs> Pastor Philip and Kelly? Always good. To be with Pastor Alan and Ann as well. I, hey, I'm a, I'm a preacher's son too, so it's good to just shout loud, Dad. That's all I'm saying. Okay, just just give it just amen. I, it's in my amen corner. Pastor Terry and Sharon Bell, always an honor to be with you. And then I've got a special guest, first time traveling with me. My son Caleb, ten years old, in the front row right there. Yeah. 
I told him if he amens the loudest, I'll give him five bucks. Okay, everybody? So, so it might be loud in that corner. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I want you to grab your Bible real quick. Ezekiel is where we're going. Ezekiel chapter 40. If you don't have a Bible, you don't have a Bible app or something like that, you need to catch up. That's what I'm saying right now. You need to go ahead and get your smartphone out. It's going to be on screen just in case you don't have those things. Old Testament passage. Ezekiel chapter 40. I just love like the mood music. You're, you're killing it, man. What's your name? What's your... Michael. Michael. He's a good looking man, I tell you. How old are you, Michael? 19. Are you available? No. Some young lady locked that down fast. I better stop now, right? I'm gonna, I better keep him, keep him Jesus. Ezekiel chapter 40 and verse 1, if you got it, say, I got it. It says, during the 25th year of our captivity, 14 years after the fall of Jerusalem, the Lord took hold of me. Those lines are so powerful. The Lord took hold of me. But I want you to know is after 14 years of captivity, is after 14 years of living in exile, 14 years of taking from a homeland and being transplanted to a foreign land and living in captivity, it's 14 years of seeking God, and then all of a sudden God took hold of him. It's important. It's not my message. It's just, it's just extra, okay? It's just extra. In a vision from God, he took me to the land of Israel, and he set me down on a very high mountain. And he said to me, jumping to verse 4, he said to me, Son of man, watch and listen. Pay close attention to everything I show you. You have brought, been brought here so I can show you many things. Then you will return to the people of Israel and tell them everything you have seen. I'm going to take you to see something, man or woman of God, so that you can go back to some other people who are still living captive lives to say something to them. And for the next six chapters, he just describes God's restoration. How God will restore everything the enemy stole from the people of Israel. Chapter after chapter. I don't have time to read six chapters. You've got to read it on your own. But chapter after chapter after chapter after chapter, he describes even the place of worship where God would show up. And after the place of worship had been built, and they had new carpet, everybody, and uh, they had fresh lights and sound, and uh, the drums were sweet in a booth. We find ourselves, chapter 47, verse 1. It says, the man brought me back to the entrance of the house of God. He brought me to encounter church, everybody. That's what he did. He brought me to the entrance. And he said, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold. How many of y'all know water coming out from the threshold in South Louisiana is not a good thing? But in this picture, God is trying to say there's something pouring out of the house of God. It's not pouring into the house of God. It's pouring. Uh, water was coming out from under the threshold. Verse 5. Keep on going. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. And then he led me through water that was ankle deep. So it was getting deeper outside of the house of God. And he measured off another thousand. And he led me through water that was knee deep. And he measured off another thousand. And he led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand. But now it was a river that I could not cross. Because the water had risen and was, come on, read it with me out loud, every voice, deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. Say it again, deep enough to swim in and a river that no one could cross. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we look at your word, God, our lives 
would be changed, our hearts would be just refreshed and encouraged. And God, we would leave here with a passion and excitement. God, there would be something stirring afresh. Because God, you're doing a new thing. And we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, we all shouted amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Give it up for Michael as he goes. Come on, he deserves it. Great job. I love this passage of Scripture. It's a famous passage of Scripture. If you've been around the Bible any time, Ezekiel, through the leading of the Holy Spirit, gives us a vivid picture of what God wants to do and what God is inviting us into. I love how he says that he wants to, he's got a river that's deeper. It's deep enough to swim in, but then it's too wide to even cross. So it's deeper and wider. And I believe that only God can take us deeper and wider. I think it's only God that has a a dream in his heart that we would be deeper as individuals, as followers of Jesus Christ, but then we would also be a part of something that's wider than we could ever imagine. See, I think the church for many, many years has kind of gotten it on the wrong side. We've fallen into we just need deep or we just need wide, and we've confused the idea of what God is really interested in. But I want you to understand that God has a heart for us to be deeper and wider. Come on, look at your neighbor say deeper and wider. Come on, look at your second choice now and say deeper and wider for sure for you. Okay, like you, you, need, you need it in your life. Now, I grew up in South Louisiana. How many of y'all know it's hot around here? I didn't grow up in Birmingham as, uh, as uh, my, my pastor here did. And, uh, and when I did leave Louisiana, I went to Birmingham, everybody. Okay, that's a whole, whole different place, all right? It's, it's hot there too and... Uh, I grew up my grandfather because uh, he, he was a, a good grandfather. He built a, a, an in-ground pool for us. And so when I was a kid growing up and his grandkid, I got to go swimming in an eight-foot deep pool. And we did some amazing things, jumping off the shed. It was dangerous, but we did it, all right? And, we, and so I know a little bit about cannonballing. I know a little bit about a little jackknife in the water and see how much you can spray water across everybody. I, I know a bit about jumping into deep water. And so when I had uh, moved away from New Orleans, it was just a few months before Katrina. My wife and I, God called us to be a part of a great church. And we had no idea the miracle that the church would be in Birmingham, Alabama. It's, it's a complete miracle, but God brought us there to be a part of that. And we were here uh, when Katrina hit. I, was, I had come back home to do a wedding and had to evacuate with everybody, all right? And uh, so I had the full experience. I, I've grown up in the south here and loved to swim. But when we were in Birmingham, both of my children were born there. My son is 10, as I introduced you to him, uh, as Caleb, because uh, I think every Joshua needs a Caleb in his life. And uh, my daughter's name is Liv, and she lives up to the name. Can I tell you, she's full of life and excitement. And both, both of my children were born in Birmingham, and they, they, I wanted them to have the same experience I had. I wanted them to be able to cannonball in a pool. And, and when they were really young, I, I, our home was on a steep incline of a hill. And it really wasn't a place to, to have a pool. And I didn't have the money to put one in either. And so I did what every self-respecting parent would do. I bought a kiddie pool, everybody. You remember these. You're guilty of it. You did it at some point. You, you wanted to see your kids running around with the sprinkler going. And the little kitty slide. And, and, and they act like they're going to die. And it's only a foot and a half off the ground. And... And you, you get the pool going, and they're having a blast, and they've got grass in the pool, and it's like, no, no, that's not what's supposed to happen, but we're doing it anyway. And what happens to you every single time? Because it's hot, hot as Hades, and you're watching your children enjoy the cool, and so what do you end up doing? You get in the kiddie pool. Now, if you're like me, you imagine what you look like in the kiddie pool. 
and you look worse. Can I tell you? Like, you think, you think when I get in that kiddie pool, it's like a, no big deal. Like, it'll be, it'll be all right. And we lay back in there and you realize that your knees don't even go below the water. But we do it, right? We do it. We do it for the kids. That's what we say, right? But then when the kids aren't there, what are you doing on a hot day? You're filling up that kiddie pool again. See, I, I think it's a beautiful picture of really two types of Christians that we have in the world. Because we just read a beautiful passage of Ezekiel talking about that there's ankle-deep waters in the house of God. There's knee-deep, there's waist-deep, and then there's water that's deep enough to swim in, but so wide that we can't even get across it. And I think it's a picture of two types of Christians that we see. Some who want to get so deep that they're no earthly good. They're so far from land. <laughs> they're just strange. Can I... I don't know. I grew up in church. I'm a preacher's kid, all right? I I met some strange Christians. And I met some people who would say, man, God is really weird. I said, no, no, it's not God. That's them, right? Uh, uh, God is not that way. They would be that way without God, all right? uh, And then there's the other Christian that's the other side, and that is that they, 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 they stay so shallow. They stay so shallow that they think it's normal, but when people walk by, they're like, come on, you're in a kiddie pool. And it's created these extremes in our world of, of deep, but deep, but deep, and, and, and of no earthly good because it's just so deep and then so shallow that we really don't know what God can do. And I want to take just a moment to, to kind of lay it out on screen for you because I think it'll be important for you to see because when we start with deep, deep just wants to be around deep. But when you leave deep by itself, it goes to the second thing, if you're going to follow along with me, it goes to deep and narrow. Because if you just get around deep things and you only talk to deep people and you only get around Christians who know Christianese and they know Christian language and they know how to speak in tongues and that tongue and this tongue and they they understand the 23 different spiritual gifts in the Bible and you only hang around deep and narrow, here's what happens. It becomes very legalistic and your impact is very limited. Because listen, you've been around it. You've been around a few, few people that you're like, oh my gosh, like it's just painful and you love Jesus. I mean, really, like uh, when I was a, I'm a preacher's kid, and, and I, I love God. I hated Christians. Can I, can I be real? All right, like, listen, I will amen myself if you don't amen me. I'm just telling you right now, okay? Like, I, I, listen, if we, deep and narrow becomes very legalistic, and it limits your impact because people uh, don't want to be around very narrow-minded people. It's too many standards. If you look back into Judaism, it's what happened. They got so deep and so narrow that they took the Ten Commandments of God and turned it into, I mean, just way too many rules. I mean, there are over 400 if you follow Leviticus and Deuteronomy. If you follow uh, Judaism even further into rabbinical law, you get into thousands of things. I mean, they literally detail how you can clip your fingernails. And they connect that to God. They got so narrow, so narrow. So narrow that it just, it was no fun. But, but then the opposite view, the opposite view, we, we see this a lot, is just, people just get wide. Well, oh no, deep is not right, so I need to swing the pendulum all the way to the other side. And I get so wide, but then if I'm so wide and there are no boundaries and there are no standards and it doesn't matter what you do, you look good, praise God, you're going to heaven too. And you're going to heaven and you're going to heaven. You can sin all you want. We become wide and shallow. Come on, and we're all afraid of deep and narrow because we felt that pain, and then we're, we've also seen wide and shallow, and here's the result of wide and shallow. is no standards, and now limited fulfillment. 
yeah, you'll touch a lot of people, but they all won't really feel anything from God. Because without holiness, without the, the, the presence of God really in our lives, we're touching people and we're touching them. See, it's the presence of God flowing through us that changes lives. I, I don't do miracles. I don't have the ability. If you want me to touch you to give you a miracle, hey, you're in trouble. You need God. I just happen to be a conduit. I'm plugged into God so I can plug into you. Right? And so, but this is what happens. We, 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 this is where we find this hypocritical pressure. This, you know, I, I, I like Christians. Uh, I, I've heard this so many times that, yeah, I'd be a Christian, but there's so many hypocrites. I said, well, listen, if you're looking for a world without hypocrites, you need to leave now, all right? Because uh, there just isn't a world without hypocrisy. There are, there are people living in sin, and because the church is a hospital, it's supposed to be a place where people who have issues can come. Listen, if you're broken tonight, if you're first time here and you're hurting and, and you've been hiding or there's something in your life that you're not sure you want people to know about, welcome. Welcome to Encounter Church. Welcome. You're looking at a preacher's kid that didn't like church, didn't like people, had plenty of sin in my life, and Jesus saved me. I knew all the right things to say, but I didn't know him. And see, these, this pendulum swing of Christianity is what we see in the world, and we're picking a side even today. We're like, well, I want to do this type of small group because it, it takes care of me. And no, I want to do this type of small group because it's all about others because I don't even want to look at me. And we're, we're going to both sides. What if there's a third option? What if we're supposed to be deep and wide, everybody? What if we're not supposed to be deep and narrow or wide and shallow? What if we're supposed to be deep and wide? Because here's what deep and wide brings. It brings unlimited fulfillment and impact. <laughs> I told you I wanted to taste the color of the rainbow, everybody, all right? Like, what if there was an unlimited, all-powerful God who could do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine? Now, I don't know about you. I, I want to be fulfilled in life. And I want to make a difference with my life. I think there's going to be a day that I'm going to stand before God, and I think I'm going to be judged at a higher level than even you are. There's going to be a stricter accounting of my words and my thoughts and my actions. And I'm worried, everybody, okay? But I, except for the blood of Jesus. On my own, I'd be concerned, but the blood of Jesus. And so I, I'm recognizing that I have the, now this opportunity for unlimited fulfillment and unlimited impact. Because, see, I, I'm, I'm going to heaven. How about you? Hey, I'm going to heaven. How about you? It's not because of my good deeds. It's not because of my good works. It's, I'm going to heaven based upon who I know. I know there are some of you get frustrated when you see people advance and you say, oh, they, they're there because they knew so-and-so. I just want you to know you live in a who-you-know kind of world. You don't get to heaven because you're good enough. You get to heaven because of who you know. <laughs> Change your perspective about some of your relationships because they're so important. But I, I want you to understand that God is calling us. He's calling us to a deeper understanding but a wider understanding. Because I'm going to heaven and many of you said you know that you're going to heaven. But the question is, are you going to heaven alone? Say, I'm going to heaven. How about you? I I'm going to heaven. How about you? You say, yes, but I'm not going alone. 
I don't want just the deep things of God so that I can be deep and narrow and excited about, oh, I experienced God. But it was by myself in my closet. And is God happy with the fact that I kept what he did in my life in the closet? Or is it God expecting me to go wider because of the depth of my life? I know this is, this is the sticking point because we all start with everything about Christianity being about us. I came to God because I had problems. I came to God because I had needs. I came to God because me, myself, and I had issues. I get it. That's, that's why we all come to God. But when you spend time with God, all of a sudden something happens. It's like having children. See, when I... When I got married and I didn't have kids, ha, huh, it's a beautiful time. Party any night of the week that we wanted. Stay out late as much as we wanted. Come on, crank up a little Lionel Richie at home. <laughs> I'm not too young for that. All night long. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm one of six children. My parents didn't love kids. They loved each other, everybody. <laughs> this has nothing to do with my message right now, but when I was a kid, we heard Lionel Richie on in the living room. We all ran for our rooms. <laughs> See, there, there, is a, a, there is a tension that we all feel because we want more of God, but then the pressure when we start to see the need of others and we have a tendency to, to fall on either side. And what God is calling us to is not extremism on either side, but to, to hold the tension. To hold the tension. Because as a, as a parent, I, I, I want great things for me, but I have a son in the room. And gosh, I would sacrifice all for him. God, God, it wasn't until I got a son that I realized that I was kind of selfish. I'm not trying to insult anybody. Maybe you weren't selfish. But the greatest revelation I got when I got married and had a child is that I was selfish. And that life no longer could revolve around what I wanted and what I needed. See, the depth of my marriage now is about building a platform for my children not to stand next to me, but to stand upon my shoulder and go further. To see further, to do more. Pastor Allen, what's the goal? Not for your son to stand eye to eye, but to stand on your shoulders and to see further and, and to build a greater church and to build greater things for God. See, that's what God is calling us to. But if we, if we don't hold the tension, we fall to a side. And then we become deep and narrow or wide and shallow. And then Christianity is only about you going to heaven. And Jesus was very, very clear. Very, he's so clear. He said, I'd leave the 99 for the... Oh my gosh... You're going to heaven, but I'm not going alone. I, I, I've decided that I've got to go wider. I've got to keep going wider. And, and, and we have a saying around our church, and it's we're going to do anything short of sin to win people to Christ. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like, we're going we're to go there. We're gonna, <laughs> i got an amen corner on the front row right here, too. Come on, <laughs> preach it with me. But, but here's the deal. When the tension comes, there's this, what do we need to do? I want balance. Well, well, if you look at the old school scale of balance, you had to put, if there's one truth that makes me go deeper, then there's got to be one truth that keeps me reaching as well. I've got to hold the truth that, that Jesus said that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I've got to hold on to that truth as much as the one that says that I'm predestined to go to heaven. 
that God pre-planned and ordained for me to have a relationship with him. I've got to hold both the, the, the deep things of God with the evangelistic things of God. And as I go deeper, I've got to reach further. Because here's the deal. Can we discard the older in favor of the younger? The answer is no. Can we, can we hate the effects of sin and love sinners? Yes. Can we be a church for all people? If we are, worship has to look different. I just want you to know, I, I don't even worship on Sundays for me. See, Sunday, Sunday is Jesus preaching on a hill. The church is your small group and your next steps and your outreach. And your, I, I know I just blew some of your minds. And then, no, no, I come, I come to church for me. I get it. No, I don't go to church for me anymore. I go to church for you. I go to church to take you what God said to me on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. I come to create a, a place of worship for the people who aren't here yet. I look at the empty seats and I say, God, I'm going to heaven. But that seat needs someone to go with me. I don't know. I don't want to be deep and not be wide. I don't want to be deep and not be wide. Listen, in every generation, there's this tension between the older and the younger. And what we say around our church is we let young people determine what we look like and we let older people determine who we are. And it creates this healthy tension. And so when you show up to our church and, and, and why I'm wearing white kicks today and why, why, why we change what's on screen, it's not because I'm not cool. It's because I'm willing to let younger people impact what we look like so that we keep reaching young people. Because if not, it becomes about my generation and the experience I had with God. And then we become old wine and old wineskins. Come on, I'm preaching to some people in this place. Y'all hear me like, I don't want to be old wine and I don't want to be an old wineskin. I want, I want new wine. But we have to come to a new wineskin in order for God to pour new wine. If you want new things, we've got to go deeper and wider. We've got to go deeper and wider. And so, so how do we do that? We, we have to remember that if getting closer to Jesus causes us to care less about people who don't know Jesus, our Christianity is out of balance. I'm going to say it once more. If we have to remember that if getting closer to Jesus causes us to care less about people who don't know Jesus, our Christianity is out of balance. Your deep love for God should make you willing to leave the comfort of this place to go to someone else. It's just, it's, it's calling us. And now let me just kind of hit time out here because maybe you're here tonight and this is like, oh, uh, like what did I step into? Like, uh, this place is rowdy. That guy is fired up. I know. I know. It's like a, it's a two-way conversation. You're fired up, so I'm fired up. Okay? That, that's okay. But if this is new, if this is new for you, it's okay. We're people who believe that Jesus deserves at least as much praise as LSU gets. Just, I, I'm, Now, I lived in Alabama for 10 years, and I did not give up my tigers, everybody. Purple and gold all the way. I'm not going to do it. That Alabama team's of the devil. I can say that now. I, I would divide the church in Alabama if I said that. I didn't say that there. but We have to remember. We have to remember that we have a tendency to fall to one side or the other. So here's the question. Don't shout it back at me. This is for you. Here's the question. Which side do you naturally fall to? Because all of us see that there are some things that we're, we're afraid to deal with. You know what we, we do? We overserve, so we don't have to deal with ourselves. And so everything is about reaching people. Got it, got it, got it. But we never deal with ourselves. 
And so there's not a depth that those people actually need. There's not enough depth in us to actually help them. Because if you're not free from sin, you're not going to free them from sin. <laughs> and then, then, then there's the other side of it, right? There's the other side of it, and that is that we, we get so into our thing that we, we stop even thinking about the one. Hey, us four, we got our group, and we got our holy huddle, and it's exciting, and, and, and I pray in a language, and you interpret, and it's beautiful, and I'm all fours. Don't get me wrong. But then an unbeliever walks in, they go, what in the world? I don't understand. And because we are dealing with their flesh, not a spirit-filled person, Y'all realize that when lost people walk in, it's their flesh we're dealing with. <laughs> it's unfortunate. I hate to say it to you, but sometimes you've got to appease their flesh, relax them just a little bit so that they'll open their heart so that their spirit can change. <laughs> Listen, I, 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 I don't know if this is what you thought you were coming for. Pastor Terry's coming after with a better word, okay? Like, I'm just kidding, just kidding, just kidding trying to stir something because I believe the tension leads us to a side and you have to know which side you're on so that you can make friends with the other side. And if you're hiding some issues, you need to get in a small group that deals with issues. And if you're serving, hiding your issues, you need to deal with some of those issues. But if you've dealt with your issue and your issue is that you don't really love people, you might need to go read the book of Jonah. When God was calling me back to New Orleans from Birmingham, uh, I was sitting with a good friend, and I said, I really feel like God's calling me to go to New Orleans. And he looked at me, and he said, man, like, why in the world would you ever want to go to Nineveh? Oh. And I looked at him, I was like, I, I didn't know, like, are you prophesying? Like, have you read the end of the book of Jonah? Like, they repent. Is this a prophecy, or is this negative? He was negative. He's like, why would you ever want to go to Nineveh? And I looked at him, and I said, bro, it's one of two choices. It's Nineveh or the whale. Some of us, we stay so narrow that we're living in a whale. We wonder why God's not answering our prayers. It's because he's calling you to a city. He's calling you to your block. He's calling to your small group. He's, he's calling you to step out and serve on a Sunday rather than watching it go by. He's calling you to, to be a part of something bigger than yourself because two services isn't enough for what God wants to do in this city. Listen, the church doesn't need to get bigger because of the pastors. The church needs to get bigger because heaven and hell are realities. And, and I've determined that I am willing to leave my comfort zone so that more will go with me. So far this year at One Hope Church in New Orleans, we've had 95 people make decisions for Jesus Christ. I love it, 95. Now, that's not hands going up. That's people marking down on a physical card. I made a decision to follow Jesus. What I love is 55 of them say, I made the decision for the first time in my life. I'm so excited. Y'all, I, I need to confess something before I close this message up. I, I haven't preached in three weeks, and so you're getting a lot right now. Taking a few weeks off, and this weekend I'm preaching our four-year anniversary. And so far in four years, we've seen 492 people make decisions for Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a miracle in Nineveh, everybody. In the city, they said it can't happen in. In the city that one denomination says since 1985, there have been 159 failed church plant attempts. God's doing a miracle. So if you want to go deeper and wider, what do you need to do? What do you need to change? I want to give you four things, and we're going to wrap up and pray. 
But to show this to you, I want to, I want to take you to one of the people who would have been the deepest because he literally watched Jesus his entire life. The book of James in chapter 4, there's two verses. James was the brother of Jesus who walked and saw his life. And James tells us this simple passage, and it outlines for us four things. I'll give you the four in just a moment. Let's read it together. It says, submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Four, four areas that need to change. Here's the first. Write it down with me. Number one, my willingness has to, has to change. My, my willingness that to, to get out of myself and go somewhere else. My willingness to take this step. He said, you've got to submit yourselves then to God. There, there comes a point where you say, just like Jesus, Father, if you want me, if you want me to go through this suffering, if this cup could pass, God, let it pass. But I'm willing, yet, yet not my will, God, but your will be done. Listen, I'm inviting you. I'm inviting you to, to stop making church about you. And the day you stop making it about you, it'll be the most fulfilling Sunday of your life. The day you invite someone on your block who doesn't know Jesus, and we say every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to peek on that Sunday, okay? Every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to open one eye and watch your friend when they raise their hand and they make that decision. They mark the card. They cry and pray the prayer. It'll be the best Sunday of your life. It'll be the Sunday you held your child. Do you remember what it was like to hold your first child? Oh, I remember when Caleb was born. Come on, it was Mufasa all out, everybody. Come on. I was looking... I was singing a weem away, a weem away. Like I, I was like, I was, I was having a moment. Lion King, if you're unfamiliar, go see the movie. Listen, you're, <laughs> what a wonderful phrase. Um, my willingness, my willingness. Look at your neighbor and say, are you willing? Are you willing? Here's a second thing that needs to change, and that is, that it, that is our warfare has to change. I don't know if you knew this, but the day that you chose Jesus, you picked a side. And there was already a war going on, and you just engaged in the battle, and you might not have known this. But he said, if you'll resist the devil, he'll flee from you. If you'll resist the enemy, he'll flee from you. I'm saying that we have to resist this idea because there's going to be a day when the pastor walks in and says, we're changing your favorite service time. Or we're getting rid of your small group. Or the chair that you love, that you feel like you paid for, is no longer available. Come on, you got your favorite seat, right? How many of y'all got your favorite seat? You're sitting in it right now. Be honest right now. I, I got it, I got it. When you walk in and there's a lost person sitting in your seat. See, I see a day, I see a day when the church is so full, you don't have a seat. This is your seat. <laughs> All right. And you're going to have to fight differently. You're going to have to fight for the right things, not the wrong things. And the right thing is always going to be not about you. It's going to be about them. It's going to be about those who aren't here yet. Because when the fight is about you, we're letting the selfishness of the enemy creep into our hearts. And we're losing sight that Jesus said, "I'll, I'll sacrifice it all for you. I, I really need you to understand this at a level I don't know that you do, but like my warfare has changed since I moved back to the city of New Orleans. The battle I wage is different, and I really don't have enough time to go through it. 
But I want you to know when you start really living for the lost, there will be a war. Because listen, if, G- if the devil can't keep you from heaven, he wants you keeping you focused on you going to heaven and not everybody else going to heaven. Running out of time. Here's the third. Third thing that needs to change is my worship. My worship has to change. And so I could be very practical and say my worship is going to be considerate of people who don't understand my worship. If you ride by me on interstate, everybody, that's my time in worship. And let me tell you, <laughs> you may wonder what's going on in there, all right? And <laughs> we're not drunk, as you suppose, all right? We're just filled with the Holy Ghost. Like, I, I get it, I get it, I get it. But when I'm in church, I worship differently. I consider the, the, the guy who's never seen this and wonders, what in the world am I doing? Because I know in my city, eight out of ten white males come from a Catholic heritage. They may have only been to a Catholic church once or twice in their life. And my type of worship is foreign to you. And, and, and then listen, if you come from an African-American heritage, you, you think our church is so subdued and boring, right? It's funny, I get connection cards. Man, the message was great. Uh, they always say that. I love that, you know. Just kidding. <laughs> Didn't have to laugh, but you did. Thanks. I can tell your church heritage based upon how you talk about worship man worship was wild i don't know about that guy i mean the pastor was dancing i mean like uh, got it you ain't never been to church like this all right and then the guy who says man that church is kind of subdued <laughs> i know exactly where you come from james 4 8 says come near to god and he'll come near to you i want to be so near to him but not weird with him I want to be so near to him that, that people who don't understand what's going on, they can get it. And so why do we sing like we sing? Because, because we think Jesus deserves as much praise or more praise than any football team. Uh, uh, why am I passionate about this? Because if you go have coffee with me, I am this fired up. I mean, ask your pastor. I, I'm like, we get together. My, my wife has to reach over at dinner tables and hold this leg still. Because when I get fired up at the table and I'm going for, you know, I'm, I'm just, listen, I'm a passionate person. So what do we do in church? We're passionate. That's okay. It's okay. So don't be weirded out by that. It's our expression of love to Jesus. Here's our last, number four. Our washing has to change. And, and this is, this is uh, you know, I needed a fourth word with a W, everybody. I'm just kidding. But he says, wash your hands. Michael, would you come and join me as we prepare to close? Wash your hands, you sinners. Is he talking to lost people at that point? Well, some might say that he is, but James is actually writing a book to believers. He's saying that we've got to wash our hands differently. We have to look at some of the areas of our lives that maybe have gone the wrong direction. Because listen, listen, deeper isn't hard to understand, it's hard to do. Deeper is loving your enemy. Deeper is going further. And we have to wash our hands from some of those other things and some of the double-mindedness that has made church about us. But here's the beautiful picture. It's not in the notes, but Galatians 6 and 7 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A man or woman reaps what they sow. And some people look at that and they get afraid. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I I look at it as a positive verse. Because when I make church about you and not about me, God obligates himself to fulfill me and take care of me. You can't outserve God. You can't outgive God. You can't outsave people for God. 
God, God said, if you want unlimited fulfillment and impact, don't make it about you. Make it about those who aren't here yet. Go deeper and wider and watch the pool get deeper and wider. It'll be the best days of your life. And then three or four years will go by. You'll say, oh my gosh, you remember, remember Encounter Church when we were in that little building? And you'll, you'll say where you are now is little. You, you remember the days that people were sitting on the floor in the service? Remember when you had, we had to give up our seats? And re- remember, what, remember what that was? Do you, you remember that? And those will be the days that you'll look back and say, oh, only God. Only God could begin something in me now that would carry on for generations. See, I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid. My father pastored for over 35 years right outside of New Orleans. And he always dreamed that he'd have a church the size of our church, but it never happened. And now our church is more than double what he ever saw before and, and growing. And he's, he, he's, he's seeing dreams that he had when he was a young minister coming fulfilled in the next generation. And I only imagine one day what it's going to look like when my son carries a baton. So here's my question. Are you willing? Does your warfare need to change? Is it time to draw nearer to him so that you can really hear his heartbeat? Because the more you love him, the more you love those who are far from him. Is it time? Is it time to maybe wash some things out? And today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I, I know, I want you to just take a moment. Just focus on you. This is about you. This is your moment. It's not about someone else. It's about you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If one of these areas is your area, say, God, I need you to change my heart because I, I've been so focused on me. Or God, I, I've been getting beat up so much by the enemy. I need, you to, I need you to give me strength to fight the enemy. Or God, would you give me a new song in my heart? And God, God, there's some things that I, I, I haven't wanted to address. I, I've kind of wanted to kind of pretend they're not there, but there's some wounds and some sin, and, and I need you to wash. And then to break out the word of God, I need you to begin to wash. If, that, if that's you in any of those areas, would you be so bold? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you just slip your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. And drop it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All around this room, that, that's me. That's me. Slip it high. Drop it back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I, I don't need you to come to the front for God to touch you. See, because it's not about me touching you. It's about God touching you. I'm all for altar calls, and I'm all for laying hands and impartation. I just want you to know that God's not limited by me. He's not limited by you. All he needs is you to open the door. If you lifted your hand right now, I want you to receive this. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would touch every heart right now in Jesus' name, that you would touch their lives and give them grace and mercy and favor right now. And I break the attack of the enemy on their lives. I break the stronghold that says that they're bound by that sin in Jesus' name. We begin with the blood of Jesus. God, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, God. Forgive us our debts, God. Wash us clean. Come on, just whisper those words. God, wash me. Wash me clean again. God, I know I'm probably even ignorant of sin in my life right now. God, forgive me if I have sinned against you, God. God, I'm willing. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done, God. Worship you, Jesus. And would you take just a moment and stand with me and worship all around this room? Come on, just a moment. And we're going to pray for our worship to change. 
Jesus, we draw near to you. Worship you, Jesus. Come on, just, just stay focused on him. Don't, it's not about what's happening here. It's what's happening, what God is doing in you now. God, change our, our worship, God. Change our worship, God. Change the spirit about what we do, God. I want to be near you, God. I want to know you. I want there to be an overflow of your presence, God, where people are drawn to a deep and meaningful relationship with you, God. God, do a work in me. Jesus, do a work in me.